today's scripture is uh, Hebrews 11, verses 1 to 7. You can find it in your bulletin and also on the screen behind me. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of this made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he, he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark, for the saving of his household. By, his, by this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by his faith. This is the word of the Lord. Hey, good morning to all of you. I wonder if you would join me in a word of prayer together at this time, just have a brief prayer as a congregation and lift up some of the needs that are around us. Lord, we're so grateful this morning that we can come into your presence and worship you to hear these stories, uh, to sing these songs to you, and to know that you hear the prayers and the worship of our hearts. Lord, we want to take a moment. Uh, we know that this past week has been challenging for a number of people just because of the rapid spread of the Omicron uh, virus. and. Uh, uh, perhaps most of us in this room know of somebody that has been affected over the holidays. And so we want to especially offer our prayers for comfort for those who are sick, to pray for their healing, to pray for their protection. Especially, Lord, for those who are at high risk at this time. Lord, would you fill their hearts with faith and comfort them and encourage them and heal them. We thank you, Lord, that we do have this beginning to a new year. We thank you so much that we are surrounded by friends. And we thank you most of all that even, even when we don't know you or seek you, that your eye is upon us, that you're aware of us, that you follow us everywhere we go. We pray, Lord, that as we get into your word this morning, we pray that each verse would come alive and that you would open up the eyes of our hearts so that we would be people of faith. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Well, Merry Christmas. I think that was just a little over a week ago that we celebrated Christmas. We got up in the morning, we opened presents. For some of us, uh, we got some amazing, amazing, unforgettable presents. Others of us might not have been as big of a deal uh, we do it in all sorts of different ways. But I would like to suggest to you 
what might have been the greatest gift of all for all of us in this room. I would like to suggest that the greatest gift that you have from Christmas is the gift of faith. Now, some of you might be saying, well, Mike, I already had faith before Christmas. How is that a Christmas gift for me? And that's true. A lot of us had faith before Christmas, but we, always don't, put, we don't always put our faith into action, do we? We're not always aware of the importance of faith and the value of faith. Now, you get into uh, this passage in Hebrews chapter 11 that was just read to us, and we are beginning what's called the faith chapter. We're returning to our series on the book of Hebrews. The, the faith chapter is the, uh, the chapter that lists the stories of people of faith throughout the whole Bible. And so we're going to spend five weeks this month of January just on the topic of faith. And so if you look back in the years to come and you look back to the first month of 2022, you can always remember that on those five Sundays at Lake Baldwin Church, we got into Hebrews chapter 11 and we talked about the importance of faith. Now, we're gonna make it really simple this morning. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna teach the passage, I'm gonna tell a few stories, but just to give you an idea of where we're headed with the sermon so that you can easily follow along, and I'm gonna encourage you also to refer back to that passage in Hebrews chapter 11 because I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back to these different verses that were read there. But here's our approach today. The first thing we wanna do is we want it to, to define what faith is. So we're gonna talk about the definition of faith. And then we wanna have three, the, the, this passage gives us three illustrations of faith from the Old Testament. And so we're gonna take you back into that I realize that when you see names like Abel and Enoch and Noah, some of those names might be more or less familiar to different ones in this room, but don't be discouraged or intimidated if there's something that's kinda new in this story because we wanna help you know these stories and know these names and know these people. Let's talk about what faith is though. Let's get into the definition of faith. Now, the first thing I need to do is talk a little bit about what faith is not. Because in our culture, in our surrounding culture, and maybe in your experience, there are views of faith that are not actually biblical views of faith. For example, some people believe that faith is like a blind leap. In other words, no matter what the facts are, you believe something that's contrary to reality or contrary to the facts, and that is not the case. Faith is not a blind leap. In fact, faith is only as valid as its object. We think that if we have enough faith, we can make things true that are not true. So we can, say, we can have faith that our football team will win. Well, you've got people on both sides of the ball that are having faith in their football team, and whoever wins is gonna win. It doesn't matter how much believing that we do. I realize there are bumper stickers that say, think snow, but that will never happen in Florida. No matter how much you believe about how much you can just believe and make that happen. You know, if you're uh, walking on ice and that ice is thin and you step out on a lake with thin ice, it doesn't matter how much you believe that ice will hold you up. If it's too thin, you will fall in the water and you will get wet. But if it's thick enough to hold you up, it doesn't matter how much faith you have, it's that simply the object of your faith is secure and solid. It is a solid foundation. And so just with a little bit of faith, you can step out on it and have confidence in it. 
I'll mention one other thing about faith because again, it's easy to have misconceptions about this. As I prayed earlier, a lot of us know people, we have friends, we have family members who have been struck by COVID. I just took a few moments to pray for those people, to pray for their comfort and to, and to honestly pray for their healing. But one of the misconceptions that people have, even about something like just praying for healing, is people might mistakenly think that if I just believe enough, God will take away my COVID symptoms or heal me quickly. Yes, God is the one who heals. Yes, God could heal dramatically, but quite often, it's not so much the amount of faith that you have. It's not like if I just work up enough faith, these good things will happen to me. That's actually a, mis a mistake. That is called the prosperity gospel. It is the belief that I can have health and wealth simply by having enough faith, but that is not biblical faith and that is not Christianity. In fact, faith is not um, the, faith is, faith is not the absence of COVID. Faith is not the absence even of not having enough money. It's not the absence of things, but faith is the way through it. And we're gonna see that in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. So having cleared up a few misconceptions, let's go into our definition of faith. So look back in that passage of scripture at Hebrews 11 chapter one. This is a really famous verse. It's good to be familiar with it. So we're gonna actually marinate in this verse for a few minutes. Hebrews 11:1. 1, it says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. We're gonna th see three aspects in this verse to, that will help us understand faith, three aspects of faith, because we wanna describe it and define it as best we can. Look at the end of the verse where it says the conviction of things not seen. So the first thing we see in Hebrews 11:1 1, is that faith is a set of lenses that allows you to see things that are not seen. You'll see this throughout the book of Hebrews chapter 11, but it's like a new set of glasses or a new set of lenses where you're able to see things that are real, but they are not visible to the naked eye. Very important thing to remember about faith. Now, the idea of, of things being real, but we can't see them is that happens all the time. That's all around us. Uh, a lot of you have an iPhone with you this morning. You can connect to the world, all over the world through 5G, uh, and it doesn't, you can't see it with your eyes, but if you have this, uh, if you have Wi-Fi, then you can actually connect to a whole world that's out there that is actually present in this room right now, and we, can, we can't see it, but it's there. So what happens is in, in, in the Bible, one of the things that happens is we believe things that we cannot see, but they are nevertheless real. So I wanna give you an example of how that happens biblically. So um, one of the things is our belief about Jesus Christ. If you look at history, history tells us that Jesus Christ was a man who really lived back in Roman, Roman times. That's a historical fact. There is documentation that there was a man by the name of Christ who died on the cross. That's a historical fact. There were people that knew him. There were people that were eyewitnesses. And so believing in Christ or believing that Christ existed is an important aspect of faith, but it's not exactly saving faith because what faith does is we believe what God's word says about Jesus and that is that Jesus is 
the Son of God and the Savior of the world. So you can know that Jesus died on the cross. You can know that from history, but, but God's word tells us that when Jesus died, he was bearing the sins of the world. And so when a person becomes a Christian, they are believing what God says about Jesus Christ. You say, well, Mike, how do you, how do you come up with that illustration? How do you know that's true? Well, 2 Corinthians 5, 16 says that if any person is in Christ, that person is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. And then Paul goes on to say in verse 17, the very next verse, he says, though we used to view Christ according to the flesh, we view him thus no longer. In other words, his view of, in being a Christian, his understanding of Jesus Christ changed. And he didn't just view Jesus according to the flesh, that is the, just the Jesus of history, Jesus the great teacher, but he viewed Jesus as the Son of God and the Savior of the world. So that's what happens when we have faith. This morning we sang a great hymn, a classic hymn, updated called Amazing Grace. And in that hymn, in the first verse of that hymn, the writer of the hymn said, I once was blind, but now I see. You guys, that is faith. It is the assurance of things not seen. If you're a Christian this morning, what happened to you is you were at one time blind about Jesus Christ, but God worked in your life, and now you can see. So that's one aspect of faith. We can, we, we can see those things which are invisible. There's a second aspect of faith, though, that faith that you see in verse 1, and that is it is the conviction of things not seen. It is the conviction. So what it is, it's, a, it's, it's like a guarantee. It's like a guarantee of something. So you have a promise from God, and that promise in the Bible, though you can't see it, it serves as a guarantee for you. Over Christmas, I wanted to give a, uh, a gift to a friend who lives near Switzerland. He lives in the eastern part of France. And so what I did was I went on Amazon. I, uh, the, the, it was about a $24, $25 book, and I was able to order it on Amazon, and I could actually have it delivered to his home in eastern France and near Geneva, Switzerland, in the small town of Panay. So I bought this, I bought, I, I ordered this gift on Amazon. Shortly thereafter, I got an email from Amazon saying that it would arrive by January 6th. Several days ago, I got an email in French saying, the book that you ordered is in the country and it will be delivered soon. Yesterday, January 1st, I got a text from my, my friend in France saying he, that the book had arrived. But prior to that, I had a guarantee from Amazon, and so when I saw that from Amazon, for some reason, I believed it because Amazon is actually trustworthy. And that's the way it works with God. In the Christian life, you live by faith, and over time, you realize that God gives you promises, and he is trustworthy. Let me give you an example of a promise that God gives. We, uh, many of us who are believers in Christ, believe that part of the Christian life is that we give a portion of our income to support the work of missions, to support the work of church, the church, and we actually believe in financially giving. Uh, now, for those of you that are 
just exploring the Christian faith, I want to let you know that like when we take an offering here, there's no obligation to give, and we want to actually assure you that giving money doesn't even contribute to our salvation. There's nothing that we have to do to earn our salvation, but we give. Those that are on a journey of generosity would tell you, those in our church who believe that, that the journey of generosity is a journey of joy, and it's also a journey of faith. Because when you give a portion of your income, you tell yourself, there's something less I can buy by giving that money away, but you then trust God to provide. Now, where's the sort of the Amazon email from God on that one? Well, it's Philippians 4.19. It says, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. It is a promise that if we give as God wants us to give, that God will take care of us, God will provide for us. Now again, it's not a health and wealth theology, it's not a prosperity gospel, it's not a path or a promise that we will even be rich, but it is a promise that God will provide for us as we are generous with our financial resources. So I had an example of that some years ago. Uh, in December, what we do is we kind of update the congregation on where the church is at, and we invite people to consider giving a, a special extra year-end gift. And so uh, even last month, I got a letter from my pastor, which was me, that kind of gave me an opportunity to do that, right? All you, got, all you guys got that letter. Well, we're not trying to get you to do that now because that was last month, right? So this year, you're kind of getting back in the groove. But years ago, Molly and I have always had this practice that we want to give a portion of our income by faith to the church. And, and then in December, we like to give an extra amount or a special needs gift. And this one year, I had a number on my heart. Now, I'm not going to tell you the number, but there was a, it, was a, it, was a, it was enough that it would be a step of faith for us to do it. On this particular year, we didn't really have the financial resources available, but I still wanted to kind of stick with that commitment to give that extra year in gift. And so there was a certain amount, and so I wrote out a check for that amount, trusting that God would provide Philippians 4.19. I think it was the day after I wrote that check and sent it in that a friend of ours came by the house and said, hey, I just want to give you guys a Christmas gift, and I felt like the best thing I could do was just give you this, this check and give you this money. It was the exact amount of money that I had written my check for. And it was just such an encouragement to me to be reminded that God provides. Now, that doesn't happen to me every year, and there are times when we go through really hard times financially, and other times when we're really blessed. But living by faith means that we have contentment and it means that we remain generous and we do it as a step of faith. So it's a, it's a promise from God. It is a conviction. Even better than Amazon, it is the promise of God's word. One last thing we'll say about faith, and that's this word that you see in the beginning of Hebrews 11.1. 1, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of, of things not seen. So what do we mean by Assurance, Assurance. the word there means a foundation. It is, a, it is an assurance that something that we can't see is nevertheless true. This one thought years ago revolutionized my prayer life because I, I remember one day I was, I, was, I was trying to talk to God and I was praying to God and 
uh, I remember having this thought that my prayers are going no higher than the ceiling. And I thought, is there even a God there? Is there even a God who is listening to me pray? And, and then it just, it, this assurance just came over me and this realization that right there in my room with, with me was God listening to my prayers. And I kid you not, for the rest of my life, that has changed my prayer life. It is this awareness that God is there and he listens to our prayers. It is an assurance. And there are promises about that throughout the Bible. So those are three thoughts from Hebrews 11.1. Faith enables us to see things that are real, even though we can't see them. It is a conviction, that is, it is a guarantee. It is a promise better than Amazon. And also it is the assurance that certain things are true. So that's our definition of faith. Now, what we wanna do is he goes on and he gives us some examples of that. So I'm gonna walk through the passage with you and just make a couple of comments and we're gonna get to these three stories. It says in verse two, for by it the people of old received their commendation. Just a comment on verse two, Hebrews 11 is like highlights of the whole Old Testament. And so over the next several weeks, we're gonna go back and look at these stories And I love what Jim and Cindy said about reading through the Bible in a year because a lot of us haven't necessarily had that goal. But you're gonna get an orientation to the Old Testament. Be sure to be here every week, follow along in Hebrews 11 and get into these Old Testament stories because it says, by it, that is by faith, the people of old received their commendation and they'll get listed in this chapter. Then verse three says, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. So the first thing about faith, one of the cardinal realities of faith is when we believe in the creation. And so we just launched, uh, in collaboration with a bunch of other countries, this James Webb uh, telescope that is just kind of the, the shield has just opened up and it's going to be amazing what we're going to learn about the universe because the James Webb telescope will enable us to see things that happened uh, probably billions of years ago early in the birth of the universe because that's how long it takes for those images to get to earth and so this, this telescope is going to be able to see those things. It's going to be an amazing thing. But the reality is that the Big Bang, nobody knows what came before that, but faith tells us that it was by the word of God that everything that we see was created out of nothing. That is just an amazing, amazing truth. Well, okay, so that's just a little background on those couple of verses. I wanna go into these three stories really quick because we've defined faith, but we need to illustrate it. Now, I've given a few personal illustrations, but let me let the writer to the Hebrews give you his three first illustrations about faith. So the first one is found in verse four. Look at that verse. It says, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he he died, he still speaks. All right, so who is Abel? Abel is found in Genesis chapter four. He had a brother named Cain, and what a lot of you might know about the story of Cain and Abel is that in that story, Cain murders his brother Abel. If this were a Netflix series, it would probably start 
with this murder, and then it'll, then it'll take you back in time. It'll tell you this, you know, give a time stamp on it, it'll take you back, and it takes, back to the, takes you back to the story that led up to that murder. And I wanna tell you what that story was. It says here that Abel offered a better sacrifice than Cain. What it's referring to there is that when it came time to worship God, the sacrifice that Abel brought was a blood sacrifice. It was an animal that was sacrificed. It was a live being that represented the substitute who had paid a death for sin. And that was something that scholars believe that Cain and Abel learned from Genesis 3.21. Right after the fall, God covered Adam and Eve in the skins, and so it had to be a sacrifice. In fact, uh, one of the great um, uh, preachers from the 1700s believed that what that referred to is that pointed to the ultimate sacrifice who was Christ, the Lamb of God who would be slain for us and to take away the sins of the world. So you're talking about the very core of the gospel here. Now Cain's offering was different. Cain did not trust in a substitute. He brought the work of his own hands. And it's like he was earning his salvation. And they had been taught to bring the right kind of offering. And so what happened is, not only was their faith different, different because Abraham put faith in God, but the other thing was they, it was, a, it was a different type of offering, one of those being a substitute. Now what's all that talking about, and why is that so important for us? Well, when I was in college, I was in an organization that had an intramural softball team, and the name of the softball team was Plan B. Now why did they call the softball team Plan B? Well, it's because it was different from Plan A. And the purpose of that was, is to explain that plan B was God's method of salvation through faith in Christ. So plan E was, or plan A was by works, plan B was by faith. Plan A was by works righteousness, by earning it. Plan B was by believing and putting our faith in the gospel and receiving Christ's righteousness. Plan A was legalism, plan B was amazing grace. And so you see right here in this story that uh, the basis, the core of the gospel, that is a substitute who died for our sins. So uh, for example, this past month, in December, we had all these people in our church share their faith stories of their adult conversion. I love Cindy talking about that this morning all of those people, the way they came to faith in Christ is by believing in Christ instead of trusting in their own righteousness and their own works to earn salvation with God. So that is the Christian message. And this passage says that Abel still speaks. So when we hear the gospel today, it is the message of Abel that he still speaks. And so one of the most elemental things about faith is the whole idea of how do you begin a new relationship with God? It is through faith in Christ, and that's what we learn from Abel. Second illustration. Let's look at um, Enoch. Enoch is the second one. Now, Enoch is found in verse five. It says, by faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. So Enoch is found in Genesis chapter five. So if you're gonna start this Bible reading plan that Jim and Cindy were talking about, you are gonna have a ball 
because you're going to go to the creation story, then you get to Genesis chapter 3, the fall, then chapter 4, you're going to watch this whole Netflix series on Cain and Abel, then you're going to get to chapter 5, and you're going to meet this short passage about a guy by the name of Enoch. It is a one-episode Netflix series with Enoch, but two things you learn about Enoch there. Number one, you learn that he never died. Enoch never faced death. It's an amazing story. And it's just such a, it's such a reminder, isn't it, that because Christ rose from the dead, those who believe in Christ themselves Death for them will simply be a change of address. They will be going into the presence of God. But Enoch got to experience that. The other thing it says about Enoch in Genesis chapter 5 is it says that Enoch walked with God. It's the equivalent of what we read in Hebrews 11 that Enoch lived by faith. By faith he pleased God. So it says there that he walked with God. So the cool thing about this, this is what we learned from Enoch, is that Part of the Christian life and living by faith is living in a relationship with God and walking with God. You guys know that every morning, Molly and I walk four miles together, except for Sundays, she doesn't walk with me on that day. But when we go on our walk, it's about an hour long. And we talk about our feelings, we talk about the past day, previous day, we fight together, we argue together, we talk about the future, but we're walking together and we have this relationship. And that is just such a beautiful thing. And the Bible teaches over and over that faith not only allows you to begin this new relationship with God, but also faith allows you to walk with God and to grow in your faith. That's why I wanted Jim and Cindy to share their story this morning because it so illustrates this idea of how God puts this spark in our hearts. We become a Christian and God then wants us to walk with him. So that's the second thing we learn about faith from this passage is walking with God. We could say so much more about that, but I want to get to this third one, and that's Noah. So check out what it says about Noah in verse 7. It says, by faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Now, here's what you need to know about Noah. Noah's found in Genesis chapter 6, that section of it. So you're going to keep reading through Genesis, and you're going to get to this great story of Noah and the great flood where God just sort of destroyed the whole world. Why did he do that? Well, we learn in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5 that the world had become just totally evil in every way. In fact, the greatest... Um, the greatest uh, movie series, three-part movie series in history, in my view, is called Back to the Future. In Back to the Future 2, you see this dark, dark world where all this evil is going on because the wrong people are in charge. So Noah finds himself in this world that God is going to destroy, and it's, God instructs Noah to build an ark that would be the ark of salvation for those that would come aboard, specifically his family and all these animals two by two. Now you say, Mike, how big was the ark? Well, it was, the ark was one, the length of one and a half football fields, 
and it was four stories high. The thing was huge. The thing about Noah is it had never rained that much before, and nobody had ever built an ark before, and I think it was like 100 years before the flood that God told Noah to do it. So it says that what Noah did was he built it, he obeyed God as seeing things that are unseen. God told him what was going to happen. He took God at his word. He obeyed God, and he built that ark. And so what, ha what faith does is that when, when faith affects your life the way it does Noah, it allows you to find your place in God's story. It allows you to find your purpose in life because what happened with Noah is that his faith turned into action and he obeyed God, he did what God called him to do, and he built this ark of salvation. And in a very real way, scholars see this ark as it was all made of wood, but there, was a, there is another ark, and that is the, the, the cross of Christ, which is way bigger than a, a one and a half football fields long, way bigger than four stories high. The breadth and length and height and depth of the love of God expressed in the cross and we offer to the world, we offer salvation through the cross. That is our ark, that is, the, that is the offer that we make to the world. And so if you're involved in the church, if you're involved in the Christian life, what God's called you to do is to believe God like Noah and obey what God's word says, and together we build the kingdom of God and we build that ark. So, some amazing thoughts there. Final challenge. Final challenge before we wrap this up. I just want to say a couple of words. There is so much more that we could have said about these verses in this passage, but I've got a little challenge for you. I'd like you to think about a couple things this morning as you look at those three illustrations. First of all, if you're here this morning and you've never really understood the gospel, the concept, what Abel learned is that there is a substitute who paid for my sins and that today that substitute is Christ, the Lamb of God. And you've never realized that Christ was the Son of God. You never realized that he came to be your Savior. What I want to do this morning is invite you to place your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior if you've never done that, if you don't have the assurance of that. The Bible gives you a promise that if you believe in Christ and you confess him as Lord, the Bible says that you will be saved. You can believe that promise. You can be assured of it. It is a guarantee by putting your faith in Christ. I want to say a second word, though, to those of you that are believers here today. Think about Enoch. The Bible says that Enoch walked with God and that was pleasing to God. Cindy referred to the problem of drifting that the book of Hebrews talks about. Faith is the answer to that. I want to challenge you in this year, if you're a believer in Christ, to walk with God, to read his word, to gather for worship, to talk with him, to be honest with him, and to embrace spiritual growth in your life. Finally, Noah, what do we learn from Noah? Here's the challenge there. The challenge of Noah is to get off the sidelines and into the game. Because Noah believed God, he put his faith into action. And some of you might be in your life right now, you might think, wow, you know, my kids are young, my life is busy, there's all sorts of things going on. 
But the challenge here is, do you believe God's word and do you believe that God wants you, that God has a place for you in his story? And like Noah, I believe that he does. He has a place for you in his story. So would you think about that? In a moment, we're gonna uh, share in the Lord's Supper together. It's a chance to strengthen our faith, but at this time, let's pray together. Lord, there's so much in your word about faith and this great, great gift that you've given us, the gift that we get from Christ himself, who's the author and perfecter of our faith. Would you this year, Lord, strengthen our faith as a church, as individuals, as we look to a future that we don't know what it holds, but we trust in you. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus, amen.